推進委員会白洋学園三年 B 組の皆さんこんにちははいこんにちは今日皆さんは幸運にも今年度バトルロワイヤルの大賞クラスに選ばれましたおめでとうございますありがとうございますではこれからお姉さんがルールについて説明しますよく聞いて正しく元気に戦ってくださいね今皆さんが来ている場所はこんな形をした無人島です周囲は1 0キロぐらいで住民の人には出て行ってもらって誰もいませんよし行こうしてんじゃねえ Hello and welcome to the Eastern Kicks podcast, a regular magazine program about East Asian film led by me, Andrew Heskins, founder and grandmaster of EasternKicks.com, and James Mudge, our leading writer. Hey, Each episode, we'll be taking a look at the latest films, news, and festivals, often chatting to filmmakers and stars along the way. Hello and welcome to our latest show. This episode, we're taking a look back at one of the most famous and controversial examples of so called Asian extreme cinema, Battle Royale. <laughs> to celebrate their newly restored 4K UHD release from Arrow Video, coming just over 20 years on from its original release、mm-hmm. and nearly 20 years on from its first UK release. True. Which I think might make quite a few of our listeners feel rather old. <laughs> But as we console ourselves to that fact, let's get on to that f- important first question. <laughs> What are you drinking this episode, James? Well, I'm, I'm going to hold up the bottle and show you on the Zoom and everything because it's quite fancy. <laughs> and that's good for radio, yes. Yeah. <laughs> But no, it, it's a, it's yeah, a handcrafted. Yeah, rhubarb and ginger gin. Exactly, by、uh, Whitley Neal. So I,、mm. I've started getting into the gin. I mean, I will you know, originally say I was off it because it was a bit hipster and maybe not tip man's drink and everything. But I started sneaking back into it. So, yeah, a nice purple <laughs> bottle of rhubarb gin and 43% stronger than your average. So, very nice. So, I think that the, the gin spike is, is gone now. It's not so I、hip. think so. I think this,、uh, the, the next thing is probably.、Um, Baijiu? I think we're probably into the bourbons or something. No, bourbon.、Oh, I, I don't think there's any danger of me becoming a bourbon man. Bourbon man. How <laughs> about、uh, what are you on? What are you drinking, man? So, I'm on the Ample Fourth Abbey beer,、oh, British Abbey beer.、Nice. Again, a nice Dibel 7%. 7%? Very solid and respectable. <laughs> we can't let it slide below 5, can we? <laughs> it would be a damn disgrace. この国はすっかりダメになってしまいましたそこで今日は皆さんにちょっと殺し合いをしてもらいますバトルロワイヤル So on to Battle Royale and、yeah. I think for, for a lot of our listeners we probably don't need to go into a quick summary of the film、no, um, not really. but there may be some listeners who don't know it or you know maybe some youngsters out there who <laughs> haven't heard of it Eastern Kick、um, Young Team <laughs> it was a very famous film, famous for basically having a core idea of lots of high school kids being taken to an island and being told that they've all got to kill each other off、uh, so that、uh, they can well they can survive, basically. They either、yep. kill each other and one of them survives or none of them survive.、Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been 
or at least at that point it was when it was released it was very controversial mm, yeah. um you know and i, I think it, we'll come back to that in it you mm, know as we mm. talk about the film but it's interesting even the so it, it originally came from a novel by kushan takame mm. and even that was delayed <laughs> when it yeah. was originally submitted so it was around for a, for a few years before we managed to get it published mm. and then it was the adapted i think it uh, these things happen at the same time but it was adapted into a manga yeah, that's right. and also adapted into the the film that a lot of us many of us know and love um, <laughs> by the very uh, veteran director Kinji Fukasaku and mm-hmm. uh, we were screened by by his son Kenta that's right yeah yeah um, I did read I did read the book but not until quite a long time after because uh, it, it's one of those things I guess um, which you know you wouldn't have had translated if it wasn't for the success of the film probably but very rarely, a... we do, all of those translations seem to come out of films being made out of them. Yeah, you know, I remember all the the Ringu. Ah, yeah, that's, exactly. That's true. Well. I think it's quite interesting that the from what I've read, and you'll be able to probably go into more detail about it. But there mm. is, it actually, there's a much more complex world that this, uh, the battle royale program as it is known, comes out of. That there is, you know, that that in the book. It's a, an alternative history where Japan won World War Two, but has become a fascistic state. Um, you know, and it's mm-hmm. which sounds to me. I mean, I, without having read the book myself, but it does sound much more like a Mamuro Oshii's Kerberos series. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, the general kind of and that that mm-hmm. kind of imagining of the world and and some of the other things that he's also done, like which is a. a Another adaption of a, a science fiction book, but the Skycrawlers also has oh, yes, similar yes. ideas going on mm-hmm. in it as well. Um, all of which is pretty much jettisoned for the for the actual film adaption, which is probably the right thing to do because you don't yeah. need all that kind of background. Well, so it's much- uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the way it comes out in the book, as far as I remember, and I, I'll be honest, I haven't read it for a good t- 10 well, 10 years or something, but I think the detail kind of comes out in the character stories because it's kind of divided up into different chapters, different characters and stuff. So I, I don't think it's that there's a, you know, a sort of intro or this, is, you know, separate chapters which are actually about the world and stuff like that. And I think it all kind of comes through quite gradually mm. and everything like that through the stories. And that, that's kind of the the main difference is the there's just a lot more background detail for pretty much every character. I mean, it's a long it's a good like six hundred or over six hundred pages uh, in English anyway. I got I have the old, uh, I think it was Viz who published it uh, when it first went back in two thousand and three or whenever, and it is a long book with a lot more detail uh, about the characters. But it's you know, and we'll talk more about what, why the film's good and everything. But it's one of those mm. cases where they've done a really really successful distillation of the key parts of the film, kind of partly inspired by the director's own experiences growing up uh, and stuff as well from from what I've gathered from interviews, but um, it did come with a Stephen King quote on the cover as well, which I think pulled people in, because it does have similarities with some of his stuff, like uh, The Long yeah. the long Walk, uh, which was, I think, was one of those Bachman books where he, for some reason, wrote some things under a different, under a pseudonym, That's right. Richard Bachman, I mean, even though everybody knew it was him. So fair enough, I, I, I'm not going to question Stephen King, but... It's a good book. It's one that I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, dipping back into. Uh, though I've never, I've never read the manga. Uh, you know, I'm not really a manga guy, so um, I'm not as familiar with that. I don't know how faithful that is compared to the, you know, the film to the uh, mm. to the book. So it'd be interesting to, interesting to know, I guess. But 
But it was, in terms of the director, it's, it's a pretty interesting project for such a veteran filmmaker to, yeah. to have taken yeah, on. Because, yeah. you know, he'd been making films since the 60s and well-known for his, you know, all those gangster ones he did. Yes. Um, Battles Without Honour and Humanity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, that, if that's right. But there was all those ones that got released in box sets and DVDs in the UK. <laughs> there was a sudden rush of these things mm. getting released, probably because of the success of Battle Royale. And so like Graveyard of Honor, Cops versus Thugs, stuff like that. Street Monster, mm. I think. Um, as well as, uh, he, I mean, he did a sci-fi, quite a ambitious sci-fi back in, I think it was released in about 1980, Virus. I've never, I've never seen it. There's one of those ones where I used to see like really shitty looking DVD copies of with like a and there, there were, photocopied the, cover. And, and there were really bad copies of it. But it, it's, it, <laughs> because it was a, a lot of it was in English. There was lots oh, okay. of... Um, uh, yeah, English actors in there and you know, quite well-known stars. Mm. And it, it, the other problem with the, the versions that kept turning up was it was a greatly abridged version of it. Oh, so I think okay. it's sort of a nine, one of those ones where you, you could, there was a 90-minute odd version of it that used to turn up. And <laughs> actually, it's, uh, it's it's closer. I think the original is closer to about three hours. So. Wow, okay. So that's, that's, so, ma- yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's massive. Or something abridged. like that. I mean, I might be yeah. overestimating, you know, but... It, it was it was greatly abridged, wow, okay. uh, which didn't help it at all, and actually mm. made quite a lot of it. You know, as these things happen, not really make a lot of sense. But yeah, that was an unusual film, I think, from his his filmography. Okay. most of them were the sort of the gangstery films that he he became yeah. best known for. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, so so there's something I guess about the, the you know we've touched on the controversy for the novel and stuff as well, but for a kind of like an old, older veteran director you know who'd been in industry for like 40 years to take on what's quite you know it's quite a sort of angry film uh, as well yeah. like in lo- like a lot of ways and you know whether it's kind of whether or not the, the theme is like the generational gap in japan turning violent or, or or not it's it's kind of the thing you might have expected like some young upstart director you know to, to have taken mm. on to make a name for themselves because you could have just mined the controversy Basically, uh, you know, just made it. You know, it is obviously a very violent film, but you know, as we'll get into, I mean, that that's not really everything about the film. So having this kind of like director who you know who's done a lot of he has done violent stuff before, but he, his stuff is kind of like quite gritty. It's quite character driven. You know, even the for what I remember of those yakuza films, they were, you know, they were still quite socially grounded, um, as well mm. as sort of being very good uh, genre films. So very interesting choice for you know him to have taken this on i think yeah i mean what what's really great about it is is that it, and i think we all enjoy this 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 whole idea of just giving lethal weapons to 15 year olds <laughs> and letting all those hormone fueled emotions just kind of you know well up so there's this kind of little details of unrequited love uh. and, you know all this kind of and, and some of these aggressions coming out of you know being the, the kids who were ostracized mm-hmm. for being a little bit weird and you know those people getting their revenge. It was actually, as it was kind of scripted, it it, it, it does pick up on all these ideas really, really well and kind mm. of explores them in a way that I think everyone can kind of relate to kind of being, you know, from yeah. our you know, school experiences. And, mm-hmm. you know, thank, you know, I mean, this is where it does become controversial, you know, thank God that most of us didn't have guns to kind of carry out those emotions. No, we, but we, we, had <laughs> knives, we had knives in Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't so much hormone fueled as buckfast fueled, but there. You... <laughs> if they'd said it in Glasgow, it would have been a pretty different film. It would have just been called Friday Night. <laughs> <laughs> but, but absolutely, and you get these so many parts in it, which are um, 
you when you've seen especially if you go to some cinema screenings and stuff where people are kind of laughing along at some of the stuff like you know oh you're so cool or before they die saying i always like you and so but so it's kind of it's quite funny these kind of weird sort of high school melodrama cliches but at the same time it's actually especially considering the number of characters they pack into it it's surprisingly quite moving and quite tragic yeah you know all the way through because you know going into the film that you're going to see well you know you're going to see whatever it is i think it's 42 kids or something you're going to see yes probably all of them apart from maybe you know one or two and uh you're going to see them die in one way or the other so it's there is you know the sense all the way through of um yeah, of doom and you know and, and in the way it sort of knocks off the characters as well is fairly you you've, you get a few ones who stick out or are going to be you know fairly key figures in there but mm. even when they start like forming off their little cliques and kind of reflecting the yeah. way they were in school that's really you know the guys who are trying to fix up the the bomb and stuff like that and you get some of the girls and, and they're trying, still keeping the lighthouse clean something like that it's still really really nice touches and there's this it's just a, it, it, the way they're written as well because yeah. they actually you know without there being a lot of dialogue but I, mm, you know, I think mm. it, it, part of this is the casting of some of the, the yes yes the, the characters but they, they they do feel like very recognisable characters mm, very mm. very recognisable archetypes that you know that that you start to care about all of them yeah. really even even the the very dangerous ones you actually kind of start to care about <laughs> absolutely there's a great efficiency um i mean just even just like say talking as a you know as a horror fan and stuff like you know we're, we're so used to seeing small characters who are basically in films because they're going to die pretty soon and they're just there's no effort into the writing at all but th this is so efficiently done and, and even though some some of the parts that we've said are either cliches or broad archetypes it's really it is written uh, and sort of edited and paced in such a way the way it jumps between them all. Um, it's so skillfully done that, as you say, you just you do actually come to whether you like them or not, you come to sort of recognise and you know go with the characters as they're on their way to their deaths. <laughs> <laughs> but it's I don't know. It's one of those things where on it is a very violent film, and that's obviously going to be what sold it to people and stuff, but. At the same time, in a weird way, it's not necessarily just like a body count film, even though it is a body no, count because no. it literally counts the. Yeah, <laughs> we get the daily updates. And everything. Um, but it's same. Yeah, it's not just, and whether or not it is the social criticism um, layer, uh, it, the melodrama parts of it are actually very strong, and mm. the, you know, just the role of you know Katano as the teacher uh, as well is such yeah. a kind of ambiguous, weird role that you actually get some of these. Especially when you get in towards the the end of the film and stuff, his some of his actions and stuff like that, it's very it's it's not art house, but you know it is quite weird. Some of his behavior and stuff like that, and it and that gives the film like another slightly kind of unexpected element to it as well, which is great. Because it's very tense, first time you, especially first time you watch it. Mm. Which is, I mean, also the the casting of Katano being being a bit of an in joke, really, because he was the leading <laughs> Takeshi's castle, which yes. I, I think. Was came to the UK, but they edited Takeshi's bits out of it. You told me you, we we mentioned that in a previous podcast, mm. which I'd never known about. Yeah, so I, but I, it, it was basically about people you know, being in some <laughs> games and I think it's kind of. I, I mean, again, you know, I, I never really saw it, but it was kind of the 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 Japan version mm. of it's a knockout and you know we've got people competing and and so there there is that little like little kind of sly little 
yeah. joke there about the, mm, the, the mm-hmm. casting. But he, yeah, his character, a lot of the characters, they have these, the, you know, these actual quite genuine kind of complexities to them. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that there are, you're coming out of different perspectives and home lives and whatever. I think that's the one thing I would say is that, that because their lives are reasonably normal, because it has cut out the whole kind of, the, the more fantastical kind of background of the mm-hmm. book, you do wonder quite where this is coming from. It's not really explained. And when you see the school and everybody in the bus, it all seems very, very normal. It yeah, doesn't yeah. seem like a, a futuristic world where True. the government's having to slam down on... I mean, that's the one, one criticism I, you know, I might have. But as yeah. I said before, I can see why that was jettisoned to, to help propel the story along. Yeah, but on, I mean, I guess on the other hand, um, uh, you know, as I say, I can't really remember that aspect of the novel quite so well. But it makes it more even more shocking, I guess, you know, when they're, you know, they're being gassed on the bus and everything at the start. Although you're right, yeah, it, you know, it, it wouldn't have done anything bad about the film we would have added a bit more depth about the the general world view um although yeah it's not particularly needed but it does take battle royale the film and maybe this is maybe this is a benefit of doing it, it does take it slightly more into the realms of the absurd or, or the surreal i guess mm. um, which maybe helps you know it would probably be even more controversial uh, or less controversial um if it had kind of more of a sci-fi setting and everything, I guess. So yeah, it, yeah. It, you're right. It would be quite a different take on it if it's taking place in what's clearly a more fantastical sci-fi type of world, everything, uh, mm. which would have pushed it much more into uh, social metaphor, I suppose. Whereas at the moment, if that, and there is definitely social criticism and whatnot in there, but it's not really, definitely. it's not, you know, it's quite background or it's quite subtle yeah, in that yeah. respect. So, so yeah, it would, would be interesting. And maybe, maybe again, that's something which comes out in the manga, um, which I haven't mm. seen, I haven't read rather. So, yeah. It's a really solid film, but I think one of the, the key points was, I think it, it, it did come at a, a, a really good time, mm. particularly for Japanese cinema, but for mm. Asian cinema in general, uh, the beginning of the noughties, on the back of Ringu, on the back yes. of Audition, mm. all these other uh, you know films that were, were coming across that were defining, if you like, mm. Asia Extreme. <laughs> Asia Extreme, um, yes. You know. <laughs> um, and it, you know, it had a UK cinema release. Yes, yeah. you know, and and these you know it was was it was quite an interesting and you know, a really great time for for Asian cinema. Oh, it was. It really, there. really, really was. And, and that's, I mean, that is exactly when I was getting into. Uh, Asian cinema, kind of in general. I mean, you know, it was just a young gorehound at the time, and well, relatively young, <laughs> not young, young. But you know, I'd seen stuff like obviously like the guinea pig films and stuff like that. But my knowledge of Asian cinema at that point, um, being was mainly sort of martial arts and kung fu stuff, and not even any great depth then and stuff. So, but as you say, like that 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 whole period, man. You know, seeing stuff like Ring, you know, Audition and everything when they first came out, you know. And, the Grudge coming out, Dark Water, the, the, even stuff like The Eye, everything like that. It was mm. what a, what a time that was to be alive. And some of these poor young listeners who are, you know, tuning in the young the young team and everything they won't they won't know what it was like to be able to go and see these great films in the cinema because now especially with you know the growth of the you know streaming and everything that it's just not profitable really to throw these films into the cinema and uh, and I think as well at that time because the internet wasn't so you know, I don't know, was the internet ever not popular? But you know what I mean? It's not like the same now. It's like any time a film screens at a festival, 
we'll be access, you know, accessing reviews, lots of stuff, you know, all the time straight away mm. content. Whereas back then, you know, even like 20 years ago, it wasn't quite as widespread. So I remember seeing like the trailer for Battle Royale um, online and yeah, my access to information was quite limited until I actually saw the film, which made it even yeah. more jaw-dropping, you know, first time I mm. saw it. So it's, it was a different world. It was more innocent time. <laughs> <laughs> But I think yeah, something like Battle Royale, though, it definitely would have contributed for quite a, a significant number of, of people, kind of a, the the generation, sort of getting into getting into Asian cinema, or as you say, like yeah. the Asian extreme kind of angle as well. And you, you're totally right. That's that was kind of the whole birth of the this concept of Asia extreme and everything. Yeah, and then and then we had the sort of Korean yes yeah side of things coming up after and mm-hmm. Park Chan Old Boy and true. I mean, just it was absolutely the right the right moment for it and i think yeah. if that if that hadn't been the case it wouldn't have been so internationally i know it was very successful in um japan but mm. I, you know i don't know if it would have been anywhere near as internationally as successful as it true as it became yeah i mean apart from the u.s um where you know because of all the high school shootings and everything going mm. on you know all the time in the u.s um it wasn't a fit for the u.s market at all and they were you know they were so worried about selling it this is interesting because i mean i think you know with hindsight you can look at it and you can say that actually if there's one thing that it's really not doing it is mm. it is glamorizing absolutely yeah, yeah it's, it's completely absolutely. the opposite it's not an expo yeah it's not an exploitation yeah. film um in, in that regard it's i think you know as i said it's it, there's a sense of doom that these people are going to die and everything it's mm. not none of it's kind of reveling in it you know there's it's not like a hyper style hyper stylized film or anything mm. like that in that respect and although it's, you know, it's bloody and stuff it's not kind of like you know lingering close-ups of bullet wounds type gory or anything like yeah. that so so yeah absolutely it comes in 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 two cuts which i mean mm. now um the, ex- the extended version as i remember it was originally the special edition which is probably a better name for it and it's now been called the director's cut which isn't technically true because you know he you know, for a director had always said that you know the theatrical version was his version and it was his preferred version. Then the extended cut was you know whether it's whatever it's like eight minutes. It was more just mm-hmm. like a, a bonus for fans, like an extra thing for people to see. Whereas I think director's cut, I don't know that that's probably a very long debate as to what director's cut really means because it gets thrown it, around it did, a lot. It did actually, I think it did get a, a, a release in Japan as theatrical as well. The, the could have done, could, could have done. I mean, um, they, they, they had a three D version not- as well. Well, in yeah. Japan, I mean, which, I, I haven't seen the. I haven't version. either. I, I don't know if it made it out <laughs> of Japan. Um, I'm not sure. I'd be interested to see it. So there was a point for about ten years where, uh, because of some of the controversy, that, that getting the rights in, into different territories was a problem. okay. Think yeah. Probably more so between with the US as well. Mm, the mm. Problems there ahead of the 3D version, but yeah, I don't know. And it seems to have the 3D version does definitely seem to have kind of disappeared. It's, it's not on the. <laughs> it's not on the new release. Um, no, and especially because, you know, Battle Royale still plays the cinemas a lot, you know, for midnight mm. screenings and stuff. So you'd think if the 3D version was available and was good, then, you know, some cinemas would have been screening and stuff. So, yeah, maybe there is some rights issue about it, or the 3D was just terrible, I don't know. Mm. The extended cut, I think, isn't, it's actually one of those ones I'd, I'd say isn't, is not a bad version to watch. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, in, in terms of, I mean, it, it's, 
and a lot of basketball scenes um, <laughs> and a couple of a couple of odd little um, bits that you kind of see during the film are added in their entirety at the end as, as a bit. Yes, of I remember you know, the ending bits in there. But it actually does allow the film, particularly at the beginning, to breathe a bit more as you're introduced to the characters. It's a little mm. bit that that part takes longer, but it, it doesn't. It's it's not an insult um, to the original <laughs> film at all. I mean, I think they improved. There was. The, the, the famous goof, uh, which I actually remember from the first time I saw it, where um, Takeshi Kitano's character pulls a knife that's just been struck into somebody's head and it's you, you can see him pulling it out from further down and they correct those things and <laughs> improve some of the CGI here and there and all yeah. those kind of things. But, you know... It's, yeah. no, you're right. It, it's a nice... Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a nice to have. And, uh, you know, if you've only seen the theatrical, then you're not essentially missing a huge amount. But equally, yeah, if you see the extended cut then yeah there's nice things you'll pick up on there and everything so it's very worth it's very worthwhile and probably you know i think it's a film with a high rewatchability anyway so yeah yeah it's a good idea just to watch the extended version um you know meaning because it doesn't suddenly drag it out to like another half an hour or anything like that so it's uh you know you've got nothing to lose by checking that out so let's chat about the legacy of uh of the film the impact that it had on on Mm. Yeah, on filmmakers, on the cast, and mm. you know, also some of the things that, that kind of well, definitely picked up on it. You know, I mean, in terms of the cast, I think you know, as, as we said, as I was saying before, that it, 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 you know, there really were a lot of great young talents going in there. Mm. You know, that that for a lot of them, it it really made them. You know, yeah. a lot of people coming up from TV that hadn't necessarily had a lot of feature film experience. I mean, obviously the the lead guy in there Tatsuya Fujiwara mm. um, he went on to have a very big career and, and lots yeah. of films where quite similar things were going on um, <laughs> Geiji the, the gambling film yeah, yeah um, that's right he's in the Rurouni Kenshin and stuff as well wasn't he Death Note yeah Death Note of course and the Insight Mill. Lots of films oh the Insight Mill I forgot it not I mean yeah I can see why I forgot it I mean I mean, as 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 an actor, he he just seemed to be in everything at one point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and and I I he was he's great in battle royale. Yeah, yeah. Because I think he's one of those actors who's very good at reacting to stuff, and he's got a very mm. kind of a, you know, especially at that point, you know, he looks so young and, mm. and pretty. He's, he's very good at reacting <laughs> to things with his big big eyes and you know, fresh faced. It kind of reminds me a bit of uh, sort of David Cassidy in the in the seventies, but. Um, <laughs> but he's as the lead star and particularly where he's kind of playing these roles where he's a bit more devious he's just mm. not as convincing and I, I just yeah I just he doesn't really, look evil that's true he just he just didn't it just didn't work for him but because um, he was the bad guy in, or he was one of the villains in the in the Rurouni Kenshin thing, yeah I remember yeah. and yeah, yeah you're no you're right he, he just seems like a quite likable affable young chap and stuff so but so yeah, he he was a perfect fit for you know Shuya and Battle Royale, uh, really good as well. So and then you've got um, Aki Meida, who was a singer, mm. and she was in some of the Gamera films, and okay, um, in Linda 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 as well with Beiduna. Ah uh, yes, um, you know, and, and again she she'd done a lot of TV work. Mm-hmm. Chiaki Guriyama, mm-hmm. um, who had been in the video version of Juon. Oh um, yes, and then. I mean, then we kind of get onto some of the the influence of uh, of battle royale, but you know, I think mm. you know, Quentin Tarantino very famously loved battle royale. You know, <laughs> and, and we talked about it. So he cast her in Kill Bill Volume One, mm, mm. very much a similar role, uh, with sort of a little bit of 
ice picky type weapon. She was in Blade of the Immortal. Oh yes. Um, yes. And then you've got Gu Jibiashiki, um, who's a, a bit younger in Tokyo. Well, about the same year as Butterworld. She was in the Hong Kong film Tokyo Raiders. Oh yes. Uh, that jungle and then world. in One Miss Call and Memories of Matsuko, and oh, eventually yes. uh, starring alongside Keanu Reeves in Forty Seven Ronin. Um, right. Okay. You know, I, know I mean, lots okay. of bit, lots of lots mm. of actually. You know, so I think you could you could put a. I mean, I know they went into to a very long auditioning process. You know, mm. hundreds of actors to do it, but they, she really picked up on some some up and coming stars yeah. to be in this. It, it it paid off for the film and for those guys as well. You know, and then in terms of. The influence of, of mm. Battle Royale, you know, we have the elephant in the room, uh, which is, of course, this. <laughs> Hunger Games. The Hungry Games, yeah. Um, Hungry Games. But yeah, absolutely, there, there was all that chat about the the similarities. And again, I haven't read the books and stuff, but it was another one where the writer came out and, oh, I've never heard of, I've never heard of Battle Royale. What is this Battle Royale you speak of? And, mm, honestly. Which, I don't know, I mean, Battle Royale, it's not... You know, you've got like Lord of Flies in there, but the most dangerous game. You know, there's yes. other stuff. Yeah, there are lots of things that it, that it came from, definitely. Yeah, but you know, with the, the Hunger Games, the Hunger Games does seem fairly on reasonably on on the nose, and take even just in taking the key concept of like, mm. um, you know, kids pitted against each other. You know, so it's um, kind of slightly hard to. Hard to believe that there isn't. I mean, it's, if it's influenced by it, it doesn't even really matter. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting yeah. because of the denial and everything. I mean, it always makes it worse. Absolutely, absolutely. Because Pe- yeah, it's <laughs> no, no one's really going to believe it in that respect. <laughs> it's not that we even care, but but yeah, but absolutely. I, I, it's hard to think one way or the other that the the Hunger Games books and films and stuff wouldn't have kind of come out and been so popular because they were looking to. To remake Battle Royale in the US for a long time, I think yeah, they, they, they bought the rights kind of for it um, in production, which would never probably come out of no, the which internet. which is probably good, but um, yeah, but at the same time, maybe again being cynical, you know, seeing like the failure to actually make it do a remake of it properly and stuff, you know, somebody just figured, okay, great, well, we know we can just make we'll do it young adult style properly, and we'll just take out the violence, and this is how you do it, so. But yeah, lots of I mean, lots of other films you can say are influenced by the whole, you know, battle royale concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like both in Japan where you've got films like the Gantz mm. series as well. Yeah. You know, but also I, I kind of feel like films like you know, and now that's a franchise as well. The Purge kind of has a bit of this idea of, <clears throat> of keeping kind of the core concept of, of keeping the population under mm. control. Battle royale is about scaring the shit out of them. <laughs> By the you know the purges by letting them do what they want for a night and then mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's kind of the, the same ideas that there's a, this this kind of chaotic underbelly that that mm. needs some kind of release or some kind of you know some Roman kind of... gladiatorial style mm. yeah I know what you mean sure yeah yeah could be and then I guess slightly more direct ones like uh, did you see the 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 Belko experiment which no, is yeah, pretty no, good but yeah. the the fellow who did like Wolf Creek and stuff. Um, where it's basically they're they're you know again trapped in a building and you know office workers and you know I don't remember the exact details but yeah they basically have to kill all of them have to kill each other for like one of them to survive so mm. it's pretty on the nose but that's it's a pretty good film. and it was what the 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 was it series seven contender oh, well? oh done nice. sort of re- yeah 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 great film I remember uh, like I remember a calling a sick TV day, version I called a sick day from work once to go and watch that back in <laughs> that's a good yeah I want to see that again so that, it's good. 
sort of mix of like and it's really on the nose with the um the reality show concept and it's kind of a found mm. fo- a different use of the found footage and you know i love found footage stuff. okay that's a, that, that's immediately jumping to the list of ones where i have to <laughs> i have to start digging through my boxes of dvds to try and find the <laughs> good film but you're right there, there's a lot of films which um either you know are direct either directly influenced or just in, in general um mm. because it, you know it has because it was so i mean the thing is again we come back to this point it was it was really massive it was, yeah yeah you know, everybody knew about the film you know which mm-hmm. is again you know it's incredibly you know now it is you know we're back to it being very rare but yeah. you know that at that point with the you know we had the the long-haired ladies coming out of the televisions and <laughs> crawling around young kids there. with with uh ak-47s <laughs> it's um and there were i guess i mean i, I guess it's possibly fair so as well to say i mean the whole like <sighs> You know, there was all the T-shirts and posters and stuff, sort of focusing slightly on the on the school uniform angle as well, mm. uh, as well. Which, you know, for be- for better or worse, is still one of those things. A lot of, uh, you know, fans, film fans, or anime fans and stuff will still associate with Japan. You know, the sort of high school uniform type yeah. stuff, everything. So there was a lot of sort of very uh, strong sort of key imagery from the film, which was getting out there. You know, somebody. You know, a young girl in a, in a high school uniform with a gun. You know that type of mm. stuff. You know, for better or worse, which is another reason it, it did sort of soak into the the public consciousness and everything, and the media and the coverage. But you're hundred percent right. It's hard to imagine too many films now getting that level of coverage, unless I mean genre films. I mean, if it's like a can winner or something big, like or your yeah, or Parasite, that's a different thing. But for genre films, hard hard to imagine that kind of happening these days with anything. Unfortunately, you know. やつだと思うかもしれないけど。And then we come to the other legacy of the film, which is the sequel. Yes. Battle Royale 2 Requiem. Yes. Yeah, Requiem. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, so it's, you, a, it's a sad story anyway, just, just with him, you know, passing away, you know. And he, I think he'd only, I mean, as I've read it, he, he'd only actually just done one scene with Takeshi oh. Kitano. Um, yeah. And they done location scouting or whatever. Mm. And then his son, yeah. uh, who was also writing the script for that, Kenta Fukasaku, picks up uh, the reins uh, as director. And I think, was that his first Yeah, it was, it was his debut. Um, which is, must have been a huge... Yeah, well, I mean, it's... This is one of those things, like, I mean, we'll talk more on film now, but overall, like, I mean, the, for me, anyway, the, the colossal failure of the film... It's it's gonna feel harsh to completely blame him because you know first time director your dad's just died, you know here's a gigantic big budget, you know film which has got con- you know controversy on it it's got weight of expectation on it you've got fans around the world I mean it must it's a hell of a job to give to you know a first time he was a proper first time director it wasn't like he'd done a bunch of like other stuff before and then this mm. was his first film he like you say he was a screenwriter and stuff so that's you know even just like trying to. I don't know, pay respect to his father's vision. I mean, as you say, like, uh, you know, he'd been really, his father had been 
planning it and working on it and stuff. So it must have been a heavy time, you know, to actually take that on. So I, I you know, don't like the film, but mm. I, I find it hard should we, to bring Should we home. try and sum up the plot <laughs> as best we can? It's a, uh, it's a bit of a, a tough one, isn't it, really? So well, I mean, what we, we can certainly it's say. It's BR2, the BR2 programme. So it doesn't make any sense, yeah. but the, the trailer sold So it. much of it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, 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 it makes any damn sense, yeah. but the trailer sold it as basically saving Private Ryan with kids instead and, and mm. that was kind of the, the one sort of big beach scene but but it's just yes yeah, so it, it takes place just like a few years after uh the first film uh an old shuria is now leading up a terrorist group called wild wild seven um mm. i believe which Sounds i was getting like the wild stallions for well i get it confused with this japanese <laughs> cigarette brand which i i i, I was because I, I went to japan a bunch of times in the early 2000s and I was stupid enough to smoke them anyway but yeah he, he's heading up this terrorist organization and he looks quite he he looks like he's he's still fresh faced but he's quite chubby and mm. Royal too he looks like life has been quite good to him. he doesn't really look he's, <laughs> he's a man on the run but they they've they've very clever they're doing all these bombings in Tokyo and stuff like that killing, killing a lot of people declaring war on the adults but they're they've chosen a not very secret secret hideout on an island where everybody seems to know where it is so uh, and and it seems that the military can affect different zones in there. And yes. they could have just bombed it straight away if that's what they wanted to do. Why, why but it, but said they bizarrely send in um, uh, a bunch of school kids. Why not? Yeah, I, just on a on a bus and and randomly picked up. And these this time they're they're from a real kind of the whole school is a bit of a loser school. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's this weird thing where. Kitano's daughter, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, um, and what's quite interesting actually, that it it's played by Ai Maeda, who is the sister of Aki Maeda from the first one. Ah, I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Um, and so, and that's that's quite a nice little kind of mm. intro because there is this this fascination with he obviously has a fascinate the Kitano character has a fascination with the Aki Maeda character. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and presumably kind of reminds him of his own daughter. Hmm. So then they kind of write in the, in this one that 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 she's got the painting that that he that, that he has and it looks just like and she she yeah, finds out yeah, yeah. it's not of her but it's of this other girl yeah you know but actually to have her being played by the sister is quite a nice little kind that, of, I didn't know that that is a nice touch yeah. um, but one that's really probably pretty much lost <laughs> in the film because I don't understand so she is able to apply to be a met part of the BR2 program <laughs> the secret BR2 co- program <laughs> where she somehow manages to be picked up randomly mm. as a transfer student but it's, it's like is it planned is it I don't oh you've lost me now yeah. um, and uh, yeah these guys get sent out and this time they're sent in to get the terrorists from this island that everybody knows where it is hmm even the Americans, but more Even the Americans, yes. <laughs> um, and uh, for some reason, they've got forty-two of them. They've got the, the special oh, collars on again, where they'll, they'll yeah. get blown up. But this time, they've paired up the boys and girls. Each one is, oh. a, and if one of them dies, the other one dies. It's just, or if one of them gets fifty meters away from other, it's like, so are you? Why would you try and deplete your forces that you're you're, you're trying to? In none of it, absolutely. None of it. Makes. I think the pairing thing is the worst. A lick of sense. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of other things which are stupid, but the pairing thing is that there's just zero logic whatsoever. Like you say, it's like if whether or not they actually think the kids are going to manage to kill Shuya is another thing. Because I mean, you know, kids killing each other 
and Battle Royale, it makes sense in kind of a sick way. Giving kids military weapons, they probably don't even have to fire them, what to do with them. How are they going to kill so-called hardened chubby terrorists? And you're sure you're done. You know, what are they going to do? So then, as you said, like, then cut your chances in half by making sure. <laughs> So you've got this one who's about to kill Puro or Shuya, maybe. I mean, this isn't in the films. You're about to kill him, and suddenly he notices the other one's dying in the corner. And he's like, no, doesn't, none of it, makes a, it doesn't make a lick of sense. And the pairing thing actually really annoyed me, I have to say. But it's, it's a stupid, stupid thing. And among the many characters, because it doesn't. There's a couple of backstories chucked in, mm-hmm. in, in almost like they're trying to kind of echo the, the original film. Yeah, yeah. yeah rather than do anything particularly with it. But there really is no attempt to kind of make these mm, characters definitely. anything more than literal canon for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. None of them are interesting and, and, or and that's, that's, at all. I think that's, you know, that Lucy is one of the, the best, you know, as we talked about, it, it's the best parts of Battle Royale. Mm, is that, mm. that, you know, there are, you know, these are very real characters. They are, you know, kids, all these archetypes that we grew up with. Yeah. Not yeah. really, doesn't really explore that at all. You can't really understand what the hell <laughs> they were thinking in making this. So they're all sent in by this again we're we're back to having a teacher. Yeah. You know, oh. who, who yeah, Ricky Takeyoshi. Oh my God, it's before you know, and, and that's oh. and I don't understand what's going on with that characterization. He's chewing I just, pills. I, just, just I don't even weird... know what to say. It's just when I, I mean the first time I saw it and obviously I watched it again for this podcast because you know we do our prep. But it's just like his performance in this film is one of the weirdest things. It's just half the time he's just putting his two arms in front of him going like, and his eyes are only vaguely open and he's dressed in his rugby uniform and shiting on about rugby and stuff. It's just, no. The first time I saw it, I thought it was just weird. The second time, when I watched it again, it's just, it's a horrible performance. It's so grating. Mm. Every time, especially compared to Gitano. Yeah, yeah. And and it's all... It seems so out of even even for the over topness of this. It's, it seems yeah. so out of place. Even even with the you know some of his parts in the Dead or Alive series. Oh, and, I mean, they're crazy films. It kind of absolutely it kind of yeah. fit, fits that. But this is just what why I, I don't. There's uh, a cameo by Sonny Chiba who seems to be uh, yeah, the mentor. For, mm, uh, that's right. Tattoo of Fujiwara's. Mm. A character. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But it's, which is a nice little touch, but it's so they're so briefly that you, mm. you hardly even pick up on it. It's again, it's it's kind of lost in the you're lost in the stupidity, the dust and debris of the crashing <sighs> building, and and it that's kind of one of the most problematic parts of this is that mm. it's very much. And some of the first scenes you see is of a whole lot of skyscrapers yes, that's coming right. down. Yeah, yeah. And it is very much, you know, sort of post, mm-hmm. you know, nine eleven kind of. A, <sighs> yeah. And, and yeah. In, 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 in quite an interesting way, I think in terms of reading the audience, mm. what side it comes down on, it just wasn't the right time for it. And it's very clunkily done. But it is actually quite sympathetic in terms of... Mm. Terrorists in the background that they are coming from. Well, it's, it's fairly, it's, you know, it's fairly, you know, out, outspoken in that regard, sort of. Mm. You know, and, and, and then basically. very much kind of, yeah, and, and really demonizing the Americans throughout. Mm. The US is, you know. and Which is, and I mean, to be honest, as you say, the main thing is it's just so badly handled. I mean, you, you, the, you know, there's... I'm not saying there's something to be said for it in a sympathetic way, but I'm saying, you know, in film, you could have explored that, you know, in some more interesting or proper way. But this film just so ham-fisted about it. It's ridiculous. 
and it doesn't. And it, it, it wouldn't fit with the if if it had, if the first film had, had stuck with the actual book. Yeah, it yeah. Fitted with that that. Well, whole, that's true. That's true yeah. as well. But it just doesn't. Here, it just seems to be thrown in for like shock tactics or, or yeah. just. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a jab at you know you know the Americans you know Team America type style everything. That's I, that's fine. Many films have done it in a, in a good way. I mean, there's no harm in having. You know, painting any government of any country around the world in a bad light, but this is just—it's not even satire. It's so—it's so clumsy. It mm. just doesn't doesn't work at all. And, it, and yeah, and it just, as a result, it comes across as being fairly bad taste. Which, as we said, the original Battle Royale was never like a cheap exploitation film. Whereas that aspect of this one just sticks out. It just doesn't work. And it's so so very long particularly oh, so again God. this film does come with two two cuts so the first one was 133 like, 133 minutes i think yeah I two hours 30 minutes and then they extended it out oh so. my God, another 19 minutes and just oh just why i mean the the the, the theatrical cut the 133 one is far too long and then yeah. adding 19 minutes um and just because you add it you do add a bit more action and a bit more gore you don't because the characters are so in indis- are completely you don't care about any of them. You don't really even notice it. Um, and adding a bit more story to it, well, you could have added more story, but you just cut some other stuff out. Then you know the director's cut should have been shorter. <laughs> but it's 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 hard to get through because uh, they called it mm. it's, it's revenge instead of requiem. Mm. So I'm not sure why, um, but it's doesn't work. Never needed that. Didn't work. And it's it's a shame because he's 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 not turned out to be a terrible director. He hasn't made too much stuff, but. He did um, X Cross, which is which quite I a really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, it's that's a good cool. horror. Right? As a genre film, it's a just a fantastic. I totally agree. Real so. kind of just goes for it. Yeah, yeah. So he's not <laughs> he's not a bad yeah. filming and Yo Yo Cop Girl, which is yeah, quite fun yeah. as well. He's so he's yeah. not done a huge amount, but as I say, I, I I'm guess you know I guess you know his dad just passed away and taking this on as a first time director must have been must have been crazy. You know, actually trying to do it. So I. I I really don't like Battle Royale too. Um, <laughs> having watched, you know, watched it the first when I saw it the first time when it first came out, uh, I was, you know, not so against. I was disappointed, definitely. But uh, the set when I rewatched it again, and I did watch the long version. I just no. Oh. Unfortunately, <laughs> sadly, no. It's not aged well, and partly because mm. of as we said, like the political, the very overt political side of it is so badly done that that that's aged even worse than the first time you saw. You know so. It's a shame. It really is a shame. But you know, it didn't. It's not like the film needed a sequel. Um, no. But we'll never know what the original. You know, if you know the original director had made it, if he hadn't sadly passed away. But that'll be, you know, something we'll never know. I guess. And I don't see a battle royale three ever ever coming. They'll probably get a weird remake or something in the same way they keep churning out sadakos and stuff at some point, like in Japan. Mm. And they'll probably just redo it with a, a different younger cast. Um, well, I don't think it'll catch the the zeitgeist the way the first one ever did. So no, no, I, I would be very, I think, be I, very think, I mean, again, it, I mean, in part, it's just the way we kind of consume films now. That the, yeah, I think unless something is the the box set that everyone's watching, <laughs> that we're all watching things at separate yeah. times, it's separate. You know, it's, it's you know, no longer do we have the water cooler moment. Not that, <laughs> well, not that you or I have the water cooler moment anyway, because we don't work in an office. But we have the Bo Bell's moment. We're down in the we pub. Have the Bo Bell's moment. <laughs> um, but yeah. We've been seriously lacking the water cooler moments in general. Oh, it's, it's been a lo- <laughs> it's, it's, it's been too long, and soon, soon. 
Let's hope. <laughs> but but I completely agree. And, and I think even before, like, just the it's not like a day and date world back then when it came out, where something would be released everywhere at the same time. And, and as as I said, with the internet not being as as bigger or whatever, <laughs> I'm sure it was the same size, but without it being as widespread, well, it's, like. It's, it's, it's it's bigger. That's the it's grown now. Now it's the size yeah. of now it's the size of Idaho, but you know it's, it's just the way you the old word of mouth worked so differently back in those good old days, you know. Mm. So so now, you know, it's the kind of thing like if it, if they did another version of it now, then we'd know about it from development. We'd probably see this, you know, the before, you know, the prep photos. We'd know about the cast. We'd know who they were. You know, it, we we'd know absolutely everything. It's not going to make it a bad film, but. It's, I mean, it would just be a bad film because it would probably be a bad film. But it, it's just that we would know everything. There'd be no surprise. Yeah. You know, so, which is, you know, better or worse. You know, joking aside, like, it's just a different era than it was 20 years ago. But, but you're right. I, I think Battle Royale. And we were lads. We were, we were, you know, youngsters and everything, like, still boozing it up because now we don't booze it up. Um, wait. <laughs> but now we like a nice, quiet boozer. We're not like a. Some hip club. I don't know. I never liked that. Battle Royale is released as a five-disc set from Arrow Video on the 26th of April, mm. including both cuts of the original film on UHD, both cuts of Battle Royale 2 on mm. Blu-ray, mm. and the soundtrack to the original film, mm. and a hell of a lot of extras. It's crazy how much stuff is on there. I mean, I'm not I'm not doing this as an advert for Arrow unless <laughs> they want to send us some money. But, but no, just the, the sheer... I know, because this is a film which has had like a bunch of different releases, um, as we said, over the years. But yeah. the amount of extras and stuff on there is pretty staggering. <laughs> as you say, the soundtrack, but just all these featurettes, um, you know, interviews, uh, festival premiere, footage, everything. it's crazy how much stuff is on mm. there. I can't... I mean, Better Real is a film which... Um, I will always revisit stuff myself, and I'll do, you know yeah. see it on the big screen. And a it's of definitely times, but it's... definitely worth revisiting. But this is this Easily. must be the most comp- there can't be anything left out there for a more, <laughs> for a more comprehensive set after this. It's it, it's impressive. It just it, even just reading the list of it, it makes it feel to me you know not realistically, but it must be a very heavy, heavy and, and large like Blu-ray set. Everything it's got like a that. poster in there and all. Yeah, sorts. yeah, yeah. It's all yeah, kinds of mad yeah, packaging yeah. and stuff as yeah. well. So they've really. A lot of work and love has gone into this. Fair play, man. I mean, it's, I wouldn't know where to start with that stuff, how much is on there. But um, but yeah, I, I just mean that I, I can't ever see there being a more comprehensive edition. This must be, this must be kind of, a, even when you got to a 30 years anniversary or something, there's not mm. much more you could drag out apart from shooting new interviews with folk and stuff. So so if you if you like Battle Royale, um, or if for any reason that you've never seen it then yeah there's no reason not to go for this one really And now it's time for our Eastern Kicks Picks and don't you <laughs> found a few things that, that we should be interested in? Uh, yeah, I mean, unsurprisingly, there's been 
a fairly steady stream of content, especially like during the lockdown and everything, which will be, it's going to be interesting to see how much that continues over the next 12 months. Um, and we're starting to see more Chinese films, uh, mainland films, mm. like finally um, getting picked up for, uh, for Netflix. And we've got the two versions of the Yin Yang Master, um, <laughs> neither of which I enjoyed. <laughs> there you go. Um, but they're on there. So, and they are. are they, so, so are they, uh, they're, they're, Different films. Are they actually both called the Yin Yang? One of them's good, one of them's slightly different spelling, uh, and one of them's called like the Dream of Eternity. So, but they're not. They, it's not terrible. I, they're, they're, neither of them's terrible. They're, they're just very middle of the road sort of Chinese fantasy ones, you know, which are which are not as good as other ones and stuff like. I mean, I saw that Writer's Odyssey recently, which is not on Netflix, but that was actually very good. Uh, the Chinese mm-hmm. one, uh, sadly. Didn't get a release here in the UK because of the you know cinemas and stuff, but um, mm. that's a cool film. But I think the, the the best one I've seen on Netflix and probably one of the biggest kind of scores they've had is uh, you know Park Hoon Jung, the Korean guy who did um, you know stuff like New World, uh, mm. Tiger, um, The Unjust, you know, screenplay. I saw the Devil. Yeah, yeah he was a screenwriter turned director. He's a yeah, nice right, guy. Yeah. I remember interviewing him quite oh. a few years ago now. Oh, yeah. very nice. Around the time that New World was. Because he did, he did the witch, well. didn't he? Or the witch part one subversion, which we've mentioned before, because there's no hasn't been a witch part two. There was talk that it's coming. Now, there was talk it's yeah. coming. Hopefully, yeah. it's a fantastic. It's, that was that was a great. <laughs> we we've definitely talked about that before. It's a fantastic film, the witch part one. But but his latest one, uh, Night in Paradise, um, is on Netflix, which was uh, it was at Venice and stuff like that last year, and mm. gone straight to Netflix. And it's, it's honestly, like, if I tell you the premise, it's not going to sound good to you. Uh, I'm going to tell you this. So of course it's you know some um, gangster or, you know who's kind of a thug for one of the, the mob bosses and stuff like that um, you know he, he does something like against one of the other mob bosses and he has to go and hide out on an island and he's all very moody and stuff and he meets a girl who's also very very moody and stuff like that and then you know a lot of stuff happens so it doesn't sound very promising but it's a, it's a, it's a great film I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it it's hyper 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 violent as well it it is weird because it has a it has a plot but the plot possibly because it's such it's essentially a very disposable plot it's almost like you Mm. get these like scene 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 like okay he's getting to the end he's meeting her which kind of progresses quite normally but there's a weird kind of poetic sense to um as well it's quite moody but it's just it's so violent (laughs) it's quite honestly it's one of those films where i think about reviewing it as a you know, one of the my regular weekly Eastern Kicks Extremes comic. It's so bloody. It's just, it's so stabby. It's just stabby, stabby, stabby all the way through. And it's incredibly violent. But it's, it's, it's a, if anything, it's similar to like a bittersweet life and stuff. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's not much chat from the guy. Um, uh, you know, Um Tigo, with apologies for pronunciation, the main actor. He's very, but he's actually very, he's very good in it and stuff as well. So it's a really, surprisingly good film for something which sounds completely generic and honestly even if i tell you it is one three one minutes long <laughs> it's classic korean length, two hours ten minutes honestly it doesn't it doesn't feel it it doesn't outstay its welcome uh, probably because it kind of it, it the plot is just standard but it kind of misses out these filler bits where you have like you know pointless scenes of somebody crying or something like that between the, there's not like a comedy sidekick or anything like that so it kind of takes these things and distills it down to something a lot more efficient and you know he keeps making similar stuff uh you know park Hoon jung with new world and stuff but this this is the one the korean film i've enjoyed the most probably well this year anyways i haven't seen many <laughs> korean films this year but on netflix no reason not to check it out 
100 nice. recommended it so i'm glad that one landed so quickly and yeah hopefully we'll see more of this i mean we've talked about you know the glories of the early 2000s um with films coming to cinemas so mm. you know at least maybe more of these films will make it to you know it's a streaming now especially yeah. if they're the good ones which are because for this one playing being one of the ones which has been into you know big festivals and stuff you know that's slightly more unusual i think because these are the ones which might have looked for distribution you know more proper releasing so we'll we'll see how that plays out after covid but yeah i'm giving it my thumbs up So that's it for now. Don't forget you can find all our previous episodes on Apple, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now and you'll never miss an episode. But for now, cheers. cheers.